Ladies and gentlemen, we do thank you very much for your attention, and now we invite you to sit back, relax, and enjoy the Welcome to the Top Travel Destinations. I'm your host, Kevin Flanagan, here to use my 20 years of experience as a top travel writer with the Sunday Independent to show you where to stay, eat, shop, and explore when you visit the world's top travel destinations. So sit back and enjoy our journey together. Welcome to our wonderful special edition on Dublin as a top travel destination. Now, millions of people literally every year get off a plane at Dublin Airport or drive into one of the ports in Dublin Port itself, Rosslare, or they take a train down from the north, uh, Belfast or Derry, and come to Dublin. It is really one of the go-to places on the planet. The figures are phenomenal. There's over 17, 18 million people fly into Dublin airport alone every year. And for a population the size of just over 4 million, that's pretty impressive. So Dublin is doing something right. Well, let me let you into a little secret. I moved to Dublin in 1979. And at the time, it was a very different island and a very different city. There were the Troubles, as you may know, and war raged. But all of that was sorted out due to the Good Friday Agreement. And Dublin suddenly became, with the likes of U2 and the, the great Jim Sheridan, My Left Foot, and the actors and the writers in particular, Roddy Doyle, it's become a really hip hot place to visit. So I'm going to give you now, as almost a Dublin native with still one foot in London, but both feet most of the time firmly planted here, I'm going to give you a real insight. If you have a couple of days and you're visiting Dublin, I'm going to do all the heavy lifting for you so you'll know where to stay, where to visit, where to drink, most importantly, where to eat, and a couple of secret gems as you go around exploring and shopping. So let's get straight into it with Dublin, undiscovered, uncovered, a journey through the heart of Ireland's capital. First things first, I'm only going to select a couple of things to do because I know you'll be time crunched and just walking around Dublin having a coffee is really a pleasure in itself. But if you're a serious tourist, this is what you need to do. Firstly, have a plan. My first definite place to call would be Trinity College. Trinity College is a unique place. It's mainly unique because it is a thriving university that actually is open in the heart of Dublin City. It's not a campus set off miles away. This is a place that people walk through, walk to, walk from, day in, day out, 24-7 pretty much. It's a fantastic place just to walk around and explore, to see the history. And then you have the Book of Kells, this rather beautiful manuscript. And if you're not really interested in that sort of 9th century manuscript history, even exploring the old library and the stunning works of art and the Celtic design of the wonderful biblical text, the Book of Kells, you have a lot going for you there. So a visit to Trinity 
and a look at the Book of Kells would be one thing to do for sure. Now remember, all the details, websites, opening times, costs will be in the article that's associated with this podcast. So jump in and have a look if you need to follow up any of the leads that I'm going to give you. Now, the second place to visit is the Guinness Storehouse. Guinness put Dublin on the map going back to the 1700s. It is now drunk and known around the world. It originally started with the water being taken out of the River Liffey, which would probably be a bit dodgy nowadays. And it's become synonymous with Ireland. And they transformed one of these huge storehouses in the old part of Dublin, the very oldest part of Dublin. And you can go in and it gives you an interactive tour of all the history of Guinness and the subsequent history of Dublin, all wrapped into one, which ends up at the Gravity Bar with this incredible view of Dublin. And there you have a complimentary pint. And if you watched news or go on YouTube, you'll see that the Queen and Prince Philip, when they visited in 2012, were offered a pint. And there you can see them looking lovingly at the pint. And if you get your Guinness storehouse entry, a pint of Guinness comes as part of the fee. Now I'm going to suggest a little place just outside of Dublin, which I personally love. It's a double whammy. The first is the National Botanic Gardens up in Glasnevin. It's a short bus ride. It's even half an hour, 40 minute walk from O'Connell Street. So you may want to jump on a bus. The tourist buses, which I would highly recommend to give you an overview of Dublin, do drop off people at the Glasnevin Cemetery and the National Botanic Gardens, which are joined, and we will be taking a stroll now through both. Why the National Botanic Gardens? Number one, it's free. They have a lovely restaurant and you can have a nice cup of coffee. It has fantastic glass houses, which were filled with 19th century maestros who toured Asia and India and Burma and brought back these exotic plants. So on a very cold, crisp, snowy day in Dublin, you can go in to the botanic gardens and keep warm while looking at this exotic beautiful panoply surrounding you and above your head and you can even feel the soft warm mist on your cheeks as the rain comes out to water the plants. Once you've had a look at the botanic gardens, slip through the fantastic gateway which brings you into Glasnevin Cemetery. It's one of the biggest cemeteries in the world. There's one million Dublin souls buried there, going right back to the time when cholera hit Ireland and you had to have mass graves. And then you have these mega stars of Irish history that are buried there. Daniel of Donald is the main person there, the liberator. But you have people like Brendan Behan, and that's a secret gem there in itself to find. Brendan Behan's grave, and it has this lovely little sculpture, and there's a circular place in it, and people put a pint of Guinness there for Brendan. It's a wonderful thing to go and see. So jump on a bus and go and see the National Botanic Gardens and Glasnevin Cemetery. All of those will take you roughly a morning. And there are so many more things to do. The National Gallery is a fantastic place. Merrion Square. You can go and see the statues of famous Oscar Wilde with these incredible quotes. A few things to do around Merrion Square as well. But again, I will put all of these details 
in the accompanying article. I know that you're going to be time crunched as well when you do visit for two or three days or a weekend. So stick to one or two of the biggies that we've listed here. That combined with just walking around, breathing in the friendliness will give you a real taste of what is unique, why millions come to Dublin. Now we're going to look at where to stay. Well, I'm going to give you my favourite place, the Merion Hotel. This is an incredible old Georgian building. It's a five-star. It's had the most incredible people staying there. Last year, I was there with my friend Paul and we were asked to move back because guess who? Bruce Springsteen was in town and he was staying there and he was throwing a party and all these people gathered outside. So it's a go-to place. Not cheap, but if you're there and you want to treat yourself or a friend or a loved one, a, a grandparent or a grandchild, here's the place to go. You don't have to stay overnight. You can also have afternoon tea in there. Fantastic drawing rooms in front of a blazing fire. Wow. Another place I'd recommend is the Dean Hotel. Here we're going for the contemporary vibe. This is a really vibrant, modern design, rooftop bar, central location, Harcourt Street. I think if you are younger and a little bit hipper, maybe you're going away for a weekend with the girls or the ladies, this is the place to check out. If you're of the more quiet sort, I would suggest Ariel House. This is a most charming and very famous B&B experience in Balls Bridge, right next to the Aviva Stadium. It has the best breakfast voted in all of Dublin. And it has these fantastic rooms, each one slightly quirkily designed. I love it. Aerial House, definitely to be recommended. Finally, there is a lot of options on Airbnb as well. So do check in, depending on the time of year. It has to be said that Dublin is short of beds and you will pay for bedrooms. You'll even pay for Airbnb. So just check the time of year and book well in advance. That would be my tips from on the ground. Now, where to eat? Well, I would immediately send you to chapter one. This is a Michelin star restaurant, originally started by the great Ross Lewis and now run by this incredible chef, Mikael Verjon, who is from Finland, I believe. And he brings a fantastic modern twist to the heart of Irish cooking. So you will have an absolute treat here. Heavily booked and it's not cheap, but if you want a real treat, here is the place to go. For a different experience, Brother Hubbard has an incredible experience. It's really a haven for foodies. A diverse menu inspired by sort of Middle Eastern flavours, actually. And it's renowned for brunches and coffee. That's definitely a place to check out for more casual dining. Then if you want to try something a little bit different, the Woolen Mills down on the Keys. You're right overlooking the River Liffey near the Hapney Bridge. This has traditional Irish dishes and it really is a fantastic setting. You are right there in the heart of Old Dublin, the Liffey, the Broadwalk, and you can walk over to Temple Bar. Talking of Temple Bar, that brings us to where to drink. Well, if you've had your meal in the Woolen Mill, hop over the Hapney Bridge, this fantastic old bridge, which used to be, you paid a fee, a Hapney, to get into the old part of Dublin itself. And here you will arrive in Temple Bar. Now, Temple Bar has become as famous as the Costa del Sol. It's become as famous as Koh San in Bangkok. It's got a good and bad reputation. It's buzzing. And the one bar you'd really need to visit just to 
tick it off on your list is the Temple Bar Pub. You will have great Guinness and you will have fantastic music. It's worth it. It may not float your boat, but at least you'll be able to say, I visited Temple Bar. One tip. I'd try to avoid weekends and I go a little bit early, say late afternoon, early evening. It can get a bit chaotic. The vibe sometimes is not so conducive if you're walking around as a visitor to the city for the first time. You just got to keep your eyes open like any major city in the world. And Temple Bar does have a bit of a reputation. So keep your camera close, keep your eyes open and try to visit a little earlier in the day. For something different when it comes to drinking, the Vintage Cocktail Club. This is a really fantastic place. It's hidden away. You have to sort of knock on the door in a speakeasy style, but they do some incredible cocktails worth checking out. And then finally, I'm going to give you a, a double-handed one. They're both really opposite each other. If you like a little bit of style, the Horseshoe Bar in the Shelburne. It's like an old Sherlock Holmes style. It's got these beautiful padded walls and one or two absolutely master cocktail makers who serve you incredible drinks. But it's very, very refined. If you want the real Irish experience, pop over the road just across from St. Stephen Green's to O'Donoghue's. This is the musical Haven of Dublin, the place where the famous Dubliners made their mark. When you go into O'Donoghue's, you will find a group of 10, 15 I've seen, musicians. They just turn up. They could be from around the world. They have their guitars and they have their little pipes and they have Julian pipes as well and they will play traditional Irish music and they'll jam and it is the most fantastic atmosphere and some people say it's the best pies and if you're hungry they definitely do the best Guinness stew when my two English friends came over I took them there on a Sunday and they absolutely adored it okay let's go on to where to shop there's one place you really need to visit and this is Grafton Street now, the heart of Dublin is really St. Stephen's Green. If you're going to the well-off part of Dublin, the well-heeled, the Fifth Avenue, the Champs-Élysées, this is a real part of Dublin where you're going to really get an experience of what modern Dublin has turned into, this high-tech, high-class, but very friendly city. So, Stroll around Stevens Green and pop down Grafton Street and you'll get a lot of international brands. But if you go into one or two of the side streets, you will come across fantastic Irish designers. Irish designers like Philip Tracy, the famous hat designer. The, the names just roll off the tongue if you're into fashion and you'll find little bespoke places, particularly if you walk from Grafton Street towards George's Street Arcade, which is my second place to have a look. This is not your Gucci's. This is really down, quite punky, quite funky. The George's Street Arcade has lots of vintage shops and artisanal goods and foods and Irish cheeses definitely worth a visit. On the way, you will go through Powers Court Centre, and I would strongly recommend this. This was the Earl of Powers Court, one of the great figures. This was his pied a terre in Dublin city centre itself. He had this incredible place down in Powers Court itself, just outside in the Wicklow area, which you can visit if you want to take a bus down there and a fantastic waterfall. But the Georgian building 
is now crammed with fashion, jewellery, gourmet treats, and of course the famous pig, Little Pig, a friend of mine owns that, which is a very hipster pub, but it does award-winning pizzas. Dublin, of course, as you know, has some very famous touristy landmarks. The Chester Beatty Library is not one of them. You find it by taking a walk from the city centre up to Dublin Castle. Now, Dublin Castle was the old place where the English ruled during the days where Ireland was a colony of the great British Empire. They ran it from Dublin Castle. And if you've ever seen the film Michael Collins with Liam Neeson, which describes how Ireland clawed back its independence following the rising of 1916, while Dublin Castle was the the centre point. It was the fulcrum. It was where the... Irish Republican independent-minded took on the giant monolithic English-British establishment and eventually, through a very bloody conflict, did wrest freedom for the Irish people. Hooray for that! And now, of course, you can see part of this in Dublin Castle itself, but buried in the back of Dublin Castle which is where whenever there are uh, huge EU or presidential visits, and the Queen, of course, when she came, the Queen of England, when she came in 2012, she threw a big dinner for all the great and the good from the north of Ireland and from the south of Ireland. As you know, there's a divide. And uh, this was in the heart of Dublin Castle. Dublin Castle was also where the marriage referendum was declared to great cheer just a few years ago. So Dublin... has this reputation for leading the way when it comes to groundbreaking tolerance. I think Ireland can be lauded for the way that it has embraced the LGBT community, the way that it is now actually welcoming to people from all races, religions, colours and creeds. And when you go to the Chester Beatty Library, which you'll find this cultural gem right in the heart of Dublin Castle, you will see what the founder, Alfred Chester Beatty, did. He brought together this incredible collection of manuscripts, some of the oldest biblical texts in the world, like the Dead Sea Scrolls, some incredible artifacts from the Muslim world, from the Indian world, from the Chinese world. I could go on and on. It is an incredible place to visit. And it's really a testament to the broad-mindedness of Alfred Chester Beatty, who I think will be very proud of what Dublin has become. Alfred Chester Beatty was like Bill Gates. He was a billionaire of his time through mining, and he spent most of his money establishing this incredible library, which used to be in another part of Dublin, the very posh part of Dublin, and they moved it and they built this incredible purpose-built library. It also has the Silk Road, which is a really great coffee shop. It also serves flavours from all around the world that are reflected in the Chester Beatty Gallery itself. So that would be a definite hidden gem. I'd like to end off by welcoming you to come to Dublin. I've been here well on over 40 years and I have to say it's taught me a lot. And what it's taught me is how to reach out to people, how to 
talk to people. I came from London and I was brought up in a way that you'd be quite reserved, that English reserve, nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But it took me a little while to really understand the generosity of people just talking to you at a bus stop, people talking to you when you're walking around. If you stop and ask directions, and I can tell you this when you visit Dublin, just stop and ask someone for directions. You will almost certainly get more than directions. You will get an interactive three or four minutes, most usually where they'll ask where you came from and is it your first time. And I think there's something absolutely wonderful about that. And remember, Dublin itself is a fantastic place to spend uh, three or four days looking around. But there is so much more surrounding it. You have Glendalock, this old old centre of great Irish art where my namesake St Kevin built this incredible monastery going back to the early parts in the dark ages where Christianity and the education of the monks kept the light of civilization alive in many ways. You can take a train out to these incredible places, Galway, Dingle. You can take boats out to where Star Wars filmed that other great monastery on the island just off the coast in the Atlantic, beaten by the waves, where you have these beautiful beehive stone structures, which you may remember from the new trilogy. And this was where Luke Skywalker lived. And it goes right back to the very earliest time of prehistory. It's an incredible place. So use Dublin as a fulcrum to travel. You can travel also down to Cork at a couple of hours on the train. Ireland is not that big. And you can also travel up to Belfast, which again offers a whole different range of history and interest and excitement and a different vibe. So if you are coming to Dublin, I would recommend try to take in two or three sites. But the main thing to do is to really interact with the populace, which is now very, very varied, multicultural and very welcoming. And I hope to see you on your trip. If you come to Dublin, drop us a line in the podcast and we can talk about more things that you can see. And the next two podcasts also are going to show you a little bit, give you an insight into some of the secrets of Dublin, some of the locations that are not usually known, and a few travel hacks that will get you around Dublin and really smooth your path. So keep an eye out for that. They're coming out as well following this podcast. So thank you for joining us. And I know that you will enjoy, as the Irish say, Cade Miele Vulture, a thousand welcomes. Uh-huh.